Well, it's so good to be here with you. I'm so delighted to have this opportunity. Um, some of your faces look familiar. And most of you look strange to me. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm sure that my wife and I, who's uh, with me today, will get to know some of you because some of you like to say, Hi, my name is... And some of you like to stand back and just observe. You're just looking at us. You know, who are these people? And what did they want from me? Uh, well, we don't want anything from you. We want to serve you today. And so that's why we're here. Now, right off the bat, I let you know that my voice is different than it used to be because uh, I had a stroke back in 2017. And uh, the doctor said I should have died, but God was good and gracious to me. And so here I am today. But the paralysis that happened to me was my voice was taken from me. I couldn't say uh, any words, um, but uh, over time I was able to speak. And my first word after my stroke was okay. I wanted my wife to know that I was okay. And I said it twice, but I couldn't say it the third time. Uh, my brain was so scrambled from the stroke, I couldn't really think too much uh, and uh, share what I wanted to because I couldn't speak. So I tried to write, and I couldn't write that well, and was missing words and letters. And so anyway, to say all to what I want to share with you today is that through uh, my suffering, through my crisis, through our suffering as a, a couple and as a family, uh, God restored my soul, and that's what He does best. He restores, and He reconciles, and He redeems us. And so today, we just are thanking God for His mercy in our lives. And so uh, they tell me that um, strokes happen to many Canadians in, the, uh, in uh, our nation, uh, about uh, 742,000 people every, uh, affects uh, every, no, not every year, but it affects uh, one quarter of Canadians living with strokes are under age 65. And so that's a lot of people, uh, 365,000 men, and uh, ladies, you beat us by 17,376,800 women suffer with strokes uh, as well. So um, I know you don't want to be in that, uh, that's, uh, that measurement to beat us, but uh, strokes are very prevalent in Canada. And so I share all that with you because uh, God used the stroke to really get my attention because before the stroke, I was not doing very well as a person. I was not doing very well as a pastor. I pastored for 33 years, and uh, I was um, pastoring a church plant here in Thorold called Church by the Canal, and we were uh, meeting in the Nazarene Church uh, the last couple of years. But uh, my life was going nowhere fast because over the years that I was a pastoring, I never took care of myself. I never made myself a priority. I was always thinking that my job is to make sure you're well, you're well, and you're well. So I spent my life 
as a pastor, helping people be, you know, spiritually more disciplined or spiritually more uh, growing spiritually, make sure they uh, had, uh, you know, emotionally and mentally they were okay. But I never really concentrated on me. And that caught up to me on July 7, 2017. My inner life was not uh, well at all. My soul, who I was as a person, who I was as um, a father, who I was as a husband, who I was as a pastor and leader, uh, was damaged because I never took care of the most important thing in my life. That's my soul. The Bible says that what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses or forfeits his own soul? The word soul there is not referring to the thing that connects with God. That's our spirit. But the soul connects with, uh, the soul is our life, is who we are, is our personality, is how we, is our feelings, is our thoughts, is um, uh, our, um, our uh, uh, thinking and our feelings. That's who we are. And so who we are as a person can connect with God because when we come to Jesus in salvation, uh, we have, uh, God gives us a new uh, divine nature. It lives with us, in, in us, and so we can now connect with God. But my life was not connecting with God. My soul was so damaged by trauma, by disappointments, by discouragement, and by childhood memories that I couldn't get past uh, you know, growing in my faith because I was so damaged. A lot of trauma in my life. People, experts tell us that uh, a lot of uh, conclusions are made as an adult because of our, uh, our childhood memories. If we're told that we're a failure, if we're told that we're no good, if we are told that we'll never make it in life, we start to believe that. And so we come to our adulthood and we uh, think of ourselves as failures, failures or we're no good. And so our soul gets damaged. Who we are gets damaged. And we're broken inside. Let me tell you today that every one of us here is broken in some way. And so God knew that my soul was broken. I was walking away from him. I was walking away from the church and my responsibilities as a pastor and as a father and as a husband. But on that day, July 7, 2017, God permitted something in my life. I, I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. But he touched me with this stroke. And my life was changed in an instant. Our family life was changed in an instant. I now was not the same person I used to be. And my wife says to me, you know, I always loved you, but I didn't like the man you were before your stroke because I was angry, I was bitter, I was I had an unforgiving spirit. Now here I am as a pastor leading people to love God and to deal with the inner issues of life so they can, they can, you know, move on in their spiritual life. But I was broken so terribly 
that God didn't let me go any further. God gave me a second chance. And I praise God for that today. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is so wonderful. And so that day when the stroke came, uh, my life, our life changed very dramatically. Uh, I received treatment when I had this stroke in less than an hour. They gave me a drug called the TPA drug, and it busted the clot. And like I said, the only paralysis that I had was my speech. I had to learn to speak again. So if I sound French today, I'm not French. I don't speak French. I'm from Cape Breton Island. We have our own accent, you know. Uh, it's close to me in Newfoundland, a Newfoundlander, Newfies. You know, I can say that because we're late. You're a Newfie? That a boy. We're related, you know. And so, so anyway, people ask me all the time, what part of Quebec are you from? And I said, I had a stroke. And they said, oh. <laughs> and so, you know, so I have fun with this uh, different uh, voice that God gave me. But uh, it's interesting now because as a preacher, the very thing I needed was my voice. The very thing that God gifted me to do was to speak and to teach and to counsel and help people along, but I couldn't speak. And so I was fearful that I never will be able to minister again. But God, in His graciousness, restored my soul and restored my voice to what it is today. And so now I say to people, God took away my voice and gave me a new voice to be a voice for people that don't have a voice. And so, say that again. I don't know if I can. God, <laughs> God took away my voice to give me a voice, to be a voice for people that don't have a voice. And don't, don't have a voice because they're scared or they're afraid or they don't want to be labeled when they suffer with mental health issues or illness. I never experienced that in my life before. I canceled people that came to me and said, I don't know what's wrong. I'm full of fear. I'm full of, I'm worrying. I don't know what to do. I don't know what is wrong with me. And I always would point them to Jesus, of course, because he can give hope and healing. But I never understood. And inside, they were struggling because their souls were broken and their minds and their brains needed to be fixed somehow. And so when it happened to me, I understood. And if you never went through a mental health disorder, then you probably are here today, maybe you're skeptical as well. And that's all right. You can be skeptical. But I'll tell you this. When you suffer with a mental illness, there's no skepticism. You understand and so God gave me this new voice to be a voice for people that don't have a voice because they're scared of the stigma inside the church and outside the church. People are labeled, and Christians are labeled. We went to a, a counselor in our worst days when I was suffering with mental health after the my stroke, after the stroke, and we didn't know what was going on. I was filled with depression, anxiety. I was having 25 to 30 panic attacks a day. I lost 30 pounds. 
I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating, I was on some medication, but it wasn't working because I wasn't eating. And I was lost in my soul, in my spirit. I thought, God, you allowed this stroke to get my attention. Now what are you doing? Why this? Why this? And we went to a church counselor, and we said, we need help. Can you help us? And he began to talk to us about praying more. He said, you have to read your Bible more. Here are some verses to really help you claim these verses, you know. Trust God more. And believe me, up to that point, we were trusting God more and more. Our faith and our trust in him was solid. My wife was reading the Bible to me and us. She was praying. We had others praying for us. People came into our home and laid uh, their hands on me and anointed me with oil for my healing. But I was going down here very, very quickly. And so this counselor said, just do more and you'll be okay. He didn't understand that what I was suffering was physical. The stroke left me with uh, a chemical imbalance in my brain, and I needed physical help. But all of this happened because I was walking away from God. I really believe, I like this, uh, this um, uh, little statement by Johnny Erickson Tata. You know who she is. She, many years ago, she dove, dove into the water, and she was paralyzed from the neck down. And she was asking the question after, after she became a believer, and she said, uh, asked her Bible study leader, why did God permit it? Why am I suffering in, in this paralysis? And uh, her Bible study leader said this, you see it on the screen he said, Johnny, God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God doesn't like, he doesn't love strokes or mental illness. He doesn't love many things that we know are crisis in our life. He doesn't love that, but he permits it. Why? To accomplish in me or in my circumstances something that he loves something that's beautiful. So he took my ashes, our ashes, and he made something beautiful out of our struggle and crisis. There's a great verse that I want to talk to you about just briefly. You see it on the screen. And can we all say this? Because if I try to read it, we'll be here all day. So uh, let's read it together. And we know... I ask God, why did you allow this to happen to me? Why? Why? And I came to this verse that I knew for a long time as a pastor and, and as a Christian. And I read this, and when I read this, it makes sense to me because when you're healthy, when life is going well, this is a nice promise. 
but only a promise. But when you're in the crisis, when you're in the, the, the ditch, this promise comes to life. God breathes life into this promise, and he begins to do what he said he will do. Now, we know, he says, Paul is writing, we know that in all things, all things, good and bad, ugly, beautiful, God works. God is always working. When we think God is not around, God is working in your life and my life. He doesn't take his eye off you. He knows your ins and outs, your coming, your goings. He knows all about you. He knows he can look into your soul and see what's going on. He can separate the very spirit and soul of your life. And he knows, he sees. If he can separate the joint and marrow, he can separate the soul and spirit. And so he sees our soul. He sees the damage. He knows our spirit. He knows God knows all things. And in all things, God works for the good. Now, let me, you have heard that, I'm sure. Not that God says what you're going through is good. Let me tell you, this stroke and the mental health illness that I now suffer and bear is ugly. There are times when uh, I go back in my mind and realize that God was good to me. And I picture myself that day when God permitted his stroke. And I was so scared and fearful of my future. But God knows and he works for good through the ugly, through the crisis. To who, though, does he work? He works for those who love him. Do you love him today? Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Jesus. Well, then, go feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, I love you. Then go feed my sheep. And the third time, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter was frustrated in his soul that this time. He said, you know I love you, Jesus. And in his mind, it doesn't say this, but the thing, the implication is here. Uh, then uh, why are you asking me this, Jesus? Why? And Jesus, Jesus said, then go feed my lambs. He said, Peter, if you love me, that's great, but you have to prove it to me. Prove your love to me by serving me, by doing what I ask you to do. Do you love Jesus today with all your soul, might, and, uh, your soul, might, and strength? Do you love him? God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We have our purpose, right? All of us have our agendas. But God has our agendas already in his palm of his hand. He knows what he wants for us. And that's reassuring. Because when I think of this stroke and the mental health issues that I now face, I know that uh, God had a purpose for all of this. 
even before the foundations of the world. He knew that this was going to happen. This was the purpose for why I did what I did. And so, uh, the next verse is wonderful because this, for, for those God foreknew, the word there means for those God foreloved, He did something. He also predestined. I love that word. The word also means this, set a course to the finish. Pro-horizon in the Greek. Pro-horizon. I can look uh, at the horizon and I can see what I can be. And Jesus sees, God sees, he forloved me so much that he predestined me. He set a course before me so I will become something. What is the something to be conformed, to be what transformed in my mind, in my soul, in my spirit, in my body, to be conformed to the very image of his son. Who's his son? Jesus. This stroke. This mental illness that I suffer with was all planned by God, permitted by Him because He loves me so much that He wanted me to be more like His Son, Jesus, so that I can be not Jesus because we never can be Jesus because there's only one Jesus, but I can be like Him. I can be like Him as I serve this world. But you know what? God has led us to serve others in this whole area of mental illness. And I don't have a lot of time left, but because of our illness, because of our crisis, God birthed in us a ministry called Agora Network Ministries. Agora means where the people gather. Our target is the church. Our target is the um, a person that believes in Jesus, who is the church. And so our, uh, we want to uh, target the believer and the church leaders to help them be educated, equipped, and engaged in the conversation about mental health and, and the stigma and so that the church can look and work and develop a ministry to people in the church and outside the church to help them understand what's going on inside of them. Pastor, talk about prioritizing our mental health. And we have to do that. And one of the ways we help prioritize and help the church and the believer is to help them educate, to be educated and equipped and engaged in this whole vast subject and topic and illness of mental health. So, you, when you're here today and you're wondering why God allowed some things in your life, remember that He has a purpose for you. He has an agenda. Yesterday, we were at a church doing a seminar to help them develop the ministry strategy in mental health, and the person that was with me, he's now on our team. He's a, a social worker in mental health in Niagara Falls. And I, I, I said to him, I said, Greg, I said, um, uh, uh, what did I say to him? I lost my thought. It's gone. That's what happens when you have a stroke. I can sometimes, I, I don't know if this is left or right, 
but I said something to him. It was profound. <laughs> but uh, anyway, oh, I said, because he's retiring, and I said to him, I said, Greg, I said, I have an agenda for you. Don't worry. I have lots of work for you to do. I know I have your plan, your life's plan in the palm of my hand. I know what you're going to do. And so, but God knows our, the purpose, and he sets the course. So there's lots to this story. And there's lots to this ministry, and my wife and I are so glad to be here with you to share just a little bit, and hopefully uh, have you realize that your mental health is important as a believer, because where I was in my life, I couldn't go farther in my growth because of the issues of my soul and where I was as a person. God knew that. He permitted, but he hates to accomplish what he loves. Thank you. I'd like to just quickly, if anyone has a question for Alan, uh, off the top of their head, something they're, they're, that's burning, you're like, ah, I'd like to ask this on this topic. No, no one needs to ask, but we, uh, and you think it might be helpful to others. Uh, okay, I, I have one. Uh, next steps. Yeah. So you said a lot of great things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so someone could be like, I struggle with mental health, yeah. or I have a loved one who struggles with mental health. What do I do? Right? Yeah. Like, I know all this now. Right, I, right. I know that it's important. I need to prioritize it. Loved ones need to prioritize it. What do I do? Yeah, so I prepare for that question. Oh. I have some tips for okay. you. Okay. Good. That's okay? okay. Yeah, yeah. Can we yeah. put them on the screen? So. Uh, so, so it's, we can talk about mental health through we're blue in the face, but what's the next steps for us? So I put some stuff there. We need to start reading some good material on mental health and uh, learn about the clinical and biblical because I'm on medication, and if I wasn't on medication, probably I wouldn't be as nice as I am today. Or good looking. Because I take a pill that makes me look good for people. Is it working? No. <laughs> That's my wife. Yeah. I will deal with her later. But we need to understand, and so we need to be educated. One of the reasons why the church is... Uh, really having a hard time understanding, and there's this stigma. It's because we haven't really understood the issue of mental health. So we, we have books over there, and we're getting more books to help people get good quality books. In. So self-care, uh, diet, what we drink, um, uh, exercise, and all of those things are so important, self-care, to take some time for yourself, to take time where you're not distracted, where you can commune with God or just uh, let God uh, um, refresh your souls, you know. And so the other one is attend workshops and seminars to get educated, to understand how to be equipped and engaged. We have a, a suicide prevention clinic coming up this Saturday coming at uh, uh, 
Calvary Church in St. Catharines, and uh, you're invited to come if you want to know more about this whole issue of suicide. Let me tell you, it's huge in Canada. They said 24% of, uh, um, uh, from teenagers to 24, 15 to 24, either has committed suicide or thinking of it or tried to. So the issue is very, very big and very rare. You just heard, I think, on the uh, Facebook and other posts that a young pastor in California, uh, 30 years old, Jared, I forget his last name, he, did a, he was struggling with mental health and so forth. And the day he did a funeral for his someone that, com- that died by suicide, he went home and committed suicide as well. So it's rampant in the church as well as in the... So we have uh, mental health training. Next one, there's mental health training. Start or join a mental health, uh, mental health group, uh, grace groups. We have uh, material for churches to start a group to help people understand uh, the whole clinical and biblical uh, uh, things of, uh, of uh, mental health. If you need immediate help, if you're really struggling, uh, you should see your doctor. If you're struggling over two weeks with much confusion and fear, and suicidal thoughts. Don't be alone. Share it. You have to speak it, and uh, you have to see your doctor. Seek counseling at Christian counseling centers. If you need biblical counseling, please go there and get your help. And you can look at that one. Did you put that one in, Bonnie? Subscribe to our website. (laughs) We have much resources. And we have um, many uh, mental health organizations that were, uh, were um, resourcing to the church. And so we have much that we can share with you to help you in the next steps. Thank you. Let's thank Alan again.